Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath it. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and this time round, well, I've been travelling through the swamps of Laernia, and I've watched the grasslands of Limgrave. I've been to academies, and I've talked to witches, because I have been playing Elden Ring, which is... A big deal for me, and I'm going to tell you why if you know nothing about this game. I know nothing. And perhaps not a lot about my habits of playing video games, why that is a big deal. And it's been really weird. People have raved about these sorts of games from this particular company for more than a decade. And I've never quite got it because people always say the same thing. They're really, really hard. Why, why do I want to put myself through something like that? But. With Elden Ring, they said, yes, it is hard, but you can kind of make it as hard as you want because this is an open world. So if you are getting constantly stomped on by this thing over there, well, then you can come over here where it's a bit easier and perhaps you can level up and get some different items so that you can go back to the thing that's stomping you and stomp it. Yes, this is going to bring us on to perhaps some emotional side of history and definitely, definitely, it's going to explain why Sherpa Tenzing and Sir Edmund Hillary climbed Mount Everest. Honestly, that's connected to Elden Ring. So let's sort of talk about where Elden Ring comes from. It's from a company called From Software. And the creative director is a guy called uh, Miyazaki. I think you can work out he's Japanese. And he'd spent years doing other things. He was perhaps most notable for his work on a series called Armored Core. Think big giant robots battling each other. It's mech-type video games. Particularly in Japanese, very popular. The mechs themselves are almost like tanks with legs on. So there's quite a lot of resource management in terms of making sure your engines are running. And if you've got a lot of weapons and a lot of armor, that means you're going to overload your engine and that means you're going to run slower and all this kind of stuff. So it's all this sort of scissor papers rock of basically the different things you can use in it. I'm not going to go too much into it. Rock, paper, scissors, scissors, scissors fuck. But it's a very, very different type of game as to what From Software became renowned for. First one that they brought out that sort of, I'm not going to say caused a storm, it didn't sell very well. And the reviews were okay, but it was absolutely the start of this idea that Miyazaki clearly had. It's called 
demon souls and <laughs> you die a lot in it it's one of these games if you look at games from the 1980s let, let's do a bit of video game history shall we hi welcome to the 1980s where it's day glow and people are watching the a-team and knight rider and things like that and consoles had staggeringly small memory so did your home computer if you even had a home computer back in let's say 1985. The point is this, because the memory was so limited, yes, graphics were awful, but not a lot of stuff could be put onto the cartridge, which most video games were on in, let's say, 1985. How do we solve this? We make the games really, really hard. And this is the weird thing. They were absolutely targeted for like eight-year-olds, and yet they, they were brutal, brutally hard. It's not true. I remember a very popular game in the 80s called Hunchback. And all you had to do is get this hunchback. He's basically going around the castle and basically going from each screen was like a little level. Like I specifically remember there was a rope that swung backwards and forwards. So you had to time yourself so that you jumped onto the rope and the rope swung you across the chasm. You got to the other side and that was it. That was the entire level. Obviously, these things were very static and side scrolling, except they weren't even scrolling in those days. So me and my friends were playing it and it's sort of like, oh, I just couldn't get that bit. But one of my other friends did. I was just enjoying watching them because every time I played it, I died. And to be fair, my friends died a fair bit as well. But that level of kind of brutality was like, yeah, we're going to die. Yeah, we're going to die. Yeah, we're going to die. That was very much kind of Commodore 64 era of video games rather than what happened kind of at the launch of the Sony PlayStation, where particularly with things like Lara Croft, if you died, you'd start not far away. There were lots of things to help you to get you through. Really, if in the first Tomb Raider game, you probably were going to die if you fell off a ledge. But most of the jumps you could work out pretty quickly, you know, how far to jump and whether I can make it or not. So actually, from the, let's say, mid-1990s onwards, video games, you just died less and less and less. For example, I did a relatively recent episode on Horizon Forbidden West. Now, I'd already played Horizon Zero Dawn, but in Horizon Forbidden West, I died in the, I think I played it for about 60 hours, and I died maybe 10 times in that 60 hours. And of course, I could always run away, and my health would sort of regenerate, and my shields would kind of get back up again, and the equivalent of. So in other words, if I could tell I was in trouble, I could always get out of there quickly, heal in essence, and come back to fight again another day or go somewhere else. Now, I had great fun with Horizon Forbidden West, but that game's mechanic is very much like most modern games' mechanics. It's rare for you to die. The whole point of From Software games is you die and you learn, or you die and you get good, GG, as it's sort of out there on social media. So because of that, I remember reading the review of Demon Souls and just thinking, I will never play that. And you know what? I never have. But just to show you <laughs> how twisted Miyazaki's mind is, he then refined the formula of this game. So to give you an idea, the Demon Souls game is it's in a fantasy setting, but it's very bleak. There are hardly any people around to help you. Pretty much most of them are either insane or gonna turn on you at some point and everything else is out to kill you. And there are traps and you might not see literally hiding behind a wall so you walk into the room and there's insta-kill things. And that's just not very fun. 
But the point is, you then learn where the insta-kill thing is. The insta-kill thing always works the same way, so you know to roll when you go through the doorway or something like that. And it wasn't open world. What it was was just lots of different expansive areas, but in essence, they were each a dungeon. So there might have been two, three ways to go through it, but there were only two, three ways to go through it. And the other thing is, no maps, again, Horizon, Forbidden West, absolutely a map in it. You've got the classic Ubisoft thing, be it an, an Assassin's Creed or a Far Cry where you light a tower or something like that. And then suddenly 10% of the entire massive map is now illuminated and there are all these icons showing you that's where you can do a time trial. That's where you can do a side mission. That's where you can do a, I don't know, a shooting mission or something. All this kind of stuff. It's just there. You never really stumble across anything. Now, Again, I've, I've mentioned Ghost of Tsushima in the past, and what I liked about that is you didn't get lots of icons everywhere. There are a few icons, but very, very few for the very key things, and it was the wind that guided you places. So you genuinely stumbled across stuff, and that was lovely. And whereas, yes, Ubisoft, thank you very much for showing me everything. At the same time, there's no point exploring over there because there's nothing on the map over there. So I might as well just aim towards the nearest icon. And so the exploration side of thing sort of fades away. No maps in Demon Souls. You're off the edge of the map, mate. Here there be monsters. And in fact, even the story and the lore, L-O-R-E, is incredibly obtuse. You get some information on items and stuff like that. But really, if you want to know what's going on in a From Software game, almost any From Software game, you're going to need to have to watch a YouTube video because other clever people have pieced together the story and things like that. This is why you're doing what you're doing. More on that again in a bit. So Demon's Souls comes out. It intrigues people, but it doesn't sell particularly well. Miyazaki then decides that he's going to refine the formula. Still brutally hard, still you're going to die a lot. There's going to be all these bosses. I mean, this is the thing. When people talk about levels and bosses, that again was very 1980s and maybe 1990s. But when people talk about it today, it's not really like that. Going back to Horizon for a moment, Yes, there were certain moments where I had to kill a big thing to get past it, but it wasn't a boss. And it, it wasn't like its own in an arena where I could never get out of it again. It was just an area where these monsters are clearly stronger than the other monsters, for example. But this idea of a boss blocking you off from any further continuation was a very 80s thing and absolutely what Miyazaki and From Software wanted you to do as well. Get good. But here's the thing. We're better at this game now. We've died and been reborn and that makes us heroes. Yeah! That was Demon Souls and then he created Dark Souls. Now you can tell by the name, obviously they share a lot of familiar DNA, but to prove to you how, hmm, again, I, wicked I'm going to say Miyazaki was, is that the real fans, there were lots of diehard, well not lots of, because it didn't sell that well, but the people who liked Demon's Souls loved Demon's Souls and couldn't wait to see his next creation. And so these people, in preparation for Dark Souls, went back into Demon's Souls and he had patched in, I seem to remember this, okay? If you doubt me on this, then check it out, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not talking about the, the later re-edition of it on PS5. I'm talking about back in the day on the sort of like consoles and PC. That basically he uploaded, when it was announced that Dark Souls was going to happen, he uploaded basically an unkillable monster that hunted you down in Demon Souls. So in other words, oh yeah, I know what you're going to do. You're going to go back and sort of like hone your skills. Well, I'm going to stop you doing that immediately. I'm going to make it harder for you. And again, that kind of willful, I'm just going to crush you, that doesn't interest me in a video game. Next time, I promise. 
Amazon gets you next time. So the Dark Souls games came out and each one sold more and more and more. It was Dark Souls 1, 2 and 3. I think between 2 and 3 there was a very different game called Bloodborne, which again people say is exclusive to the PS4 and they're saying, hey, you know, this is your chance to get into these sort of Dark Souls type of games. It's kind of different and dynamic. And again, everybody who played it seemed to really, really love it. And it's just like, no, I, I'm, I'm not going to... You know, it, I, I saw some footage of it and went, it just looks brutal. It just looks... You know, a classic Miyazaki thing is the first thing that happens is you you appear in a room or a couple of rooms in, you don't know what you're doing and there's a huge monster and just kills you. And that kind of kicks off the story as it were, but that just shows you, it's like, you're gonna die. And some people have been skillful enough to kill the thing, even though they shouldn't have. And then it turns out that you die anyway. So what was the point of that? You might just stand there and let it happen. All right, so that is sort of like where, where it was evolving. And then, it was announced about four years ago that, yes, they've been making all these Dark Soul games and Bloodborne and so on and so forth. But Miyazaki had got in contact with George R.R. R. Martin. And at the time, there was no hotter property than Game of Thrones. So the idea of getting the guy who created Game of Thrones, dealing with the guy who created, who, you know, Game of Thrones, brutal death all, over, all through it then, but creating a whole world, if you like, with Miyazaki and his brutal video game seemed to be a ma marriage made in heaven. And I, again, paid no attention to it because it's like, ugh, I don't want to die. But then Elden Ring came out in 2022, just a, I think a, a week after Horizon Forbidden West. Second time Horizon's come out and then an even more impressive game comes out within two weeks of it, so stealing its thunder. And the reviews were ecstatic. People were calling it a game changer. People were saying that it's already game of the year. Nothing can come out in 2022 that's going to be Elden Ring. And again, people saying, look, you know, this is the perfect time to start one of these types of games. It holds your hand. You get map fragments because they recognize it's an open world. So they've got to give you some kind of it. Now it's not going to give you the whole map. You get map fragments and the map fragments at least show you very, very key features like a map would, but it doesn't show you where all the dungeons are or where all the treasure is or anything like that. so very much unlike ubisoft it doesn't do anything like that and when you arrive at the sort of well in dark souls they're bonfires here they're sort of sites of grace but basically they're a bonfire you light them up and there's a sort of like little golden echo that points in a certain direction saying if you want to continue with the story that's the direction you might want to think about going a bit like the wind thing with ghost of tsushima but you don't have to go in that direction or, or do anything. And I thought, you know, do you know what? This is getting such great reviews. And this has been a type of game that I have ignored diligently for more than a decade. Do you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I knew because it was hard and because it was getting so many reviews and it sold more than 12 million copies in its first month. By far and away the biggest game sale for From Software, but also just generally a very big sale of a game. This shows you how hot it was, loads of people, millions of people were literally willing to give this tr a try for the first time. And maybe it had something to do with George R.R. R. Martin, I don't know. The point was that I thought I'm, I'm not going onto Amazon or walking into game to buy an absolutely fresh brand new copy. Oh no, 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 no. There'll be people who bought this and didn't realize how hard it was. Somebody bought it, you know, an uncle has bought it for his nephew and the 10 year old just gets pummeled and goes, I don't like this. And then it gets chucked on eBay. So indeed I went onto eBay and I got it about half price and, and it arrived. And I was still wanted to finish off the story of Horizon. So 
I didn't touch it. But then after I finished Horizon, I, and I didn't really want to do anything else in Horizon. I kind of done it. It was still sitting there. So it's the obvious thing to do. But I was so wound up about it. It's all like, oh, do I really want to put myself through hell? That I didn't dare open the packaging for, you know, probably a week or so. And eventually I, I, I decided it's like, okay, fine. Do you know what? Before I open this up, I'm going to go onto YouTube. I'm going to watch a few sort of tutorial you know, how to get started in Elden Ring. And it turns out one of the great things about From Software games is because they are so obscure, willfully obscure, that there is this huge community where people sometimes pull together the story, as I've already said. So, hey, do you actually want to know what's going on? And look, I'm telling you right now, I don't know what George R.R. R. Martin did in this game. It certainly isn't a compelling story. I mean, there is some lore that I'm vaguely aware of. And there's a massive golden tree in the distance. There's an Elden Ring that's broken, and there these are Elden Trees, I think. Okay, and there's an intro. Talk over by people like this who talk about, you know, the, the tarnished and all this kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of an intro, but quite frankly, after that, for hours, I had no idea what I was doing or going in direction. So yeah, if you actually want to get more into the L-O-R-E or just the the story, there are videos out there, but there are also videos saying, hey, you know, what sort of class are you going for? Well, in which case, this is a way to sort of like just run into a really high level area, but just you can grab this and yes, you're going to die, but then you'll have the cool thing and you didn't even have to fight anything to get there. And consider this build for that. So I decided to be a mage because the quintessential thing about Dark Soul games and indeed Elden Ring is it's knights with massive swords getting in close. And it's sort of like, I am, you know, in my late 40s, I do not have the reaction time of these teenagers. I want something where I can stand back and kind of control the battlefield if necessary. So I'm going to be a mage. You're a wizard, Harry. So I'm happy with that. And also there are summons. Now, apparently there are summons in some of the other From Software games. But if you're, well, this is the thing, you get the hardcore saying, ah, you don't want to be a mage. You know, you want to be up, up and personal and you don't want summons. You know, that's just helping you. No, you just got to go in and do it on your own. So if you really want the pure Dark Souls experience, you can absolutely have it. And I am not interested in that. Other people get angry. It's like, why are you going onto YouTube and sort of like finding out this stuff? You're spoiling the surprise for yourself. It's like, it's a huge world. I've got no idea which direction to go to. I'd like a clue. And if the publisher isn't going to give me some kind of handholding, they have. From their perspective, they have given you handholding. But for me, who's used to not from software games, I'm lost. So I thoroughly enjoy watching the videos, learning step by step what to do in certain situations. That calms me down. That gives me joy. These people are getting sometimes half a million hits, so I'm not the only one watching these things for a bit of help. And I also like the range stuff. And I also like going to an area. It was quite a circuitous route, but I got to an area where I could get lots and lots of experience points. They're called runes very, very quickly. And so I am 29 hours into it, but I'm already level 111, okay? And... That means I am way over specced when I'm coming across certain things. And I kill them pretty easy and that is fine by me. So that works fine. Yes, yeah, so these summons, you can summon an, an, another player, which is incredibly complicated. I still haven't worked out how to do that. Or you can just summon a thing internally and it can help you in a battle against one of the particular big bosses. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So my point is this. I'm loving this. And this amazing community out there which are trying to piece this stuff together I'm sure they're making a little bit of money from the adverts on like YouTube, like, hey, half a million hits. I'm sure they're making more money than we are on this podcast. But the point is they've really had to put the effort into piece it all together. And I thank them for that. And I've noticed that, you know, now that I'm into this area, the algorithm of YouTube sort of saying, hey, do you want this information on Bloodborne or, or Dark Souls 3 or something like that? It's like, no, no, I don't. It's the one I'm playing right now. But this is one of the reasons why people love these games, because you feel connected. <laughs> You know, I noticed, for example, I did look at a few things about Horizon on YouTube, and there are videos on YouTube about Horizon, but I'm going to say they are outnumbered 10 to 1 by Elden Ring stuff. Now, I don't think that means that Elden Ring is 10 times the game. For starters, the graphics are fine, but the graphics on Horizon were spectacular. I do not see why, if this is a game to be played on the PS5, why the graphics couldn't have been zhuzhed up for, that's a very technical expression, by the way, for Elden Ring. Its graphics are fine. They would be so much better if they had the graphics of Horizon. But because there are so many different ways that you can add certain things together, you can increase your stats and you can wear certain buffs and you can wear certain clothing and then you can have a certain type of weapon or wand or whatever. And, you know, if you mix all these together, you can end up having something that's far more potent than probably software wanted or maybe from software's going, haha, you worked it out. Excellent. That's the way you finally beat the thing or whatever it may be. That's great. But the other thing, and this is what I said about the emotion, with Horizon, because I always kind of felt safe, there wasn't anything that, that took me more than two attempts to beat, basically. I knew what the rules were of the game. I knew I could 
run away and heal and come back again or whatever. There was nothing I couldn't really do. It got to the point where I'm not going to platinum the game. That means finish every single possible trophy because there was some stuff which was just annoyingly fiddly and I don't want to do that. I would actually like to get the game. But this, the first big boss that you have to meet is Margit. And I, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, this is where they sort of sort things out for you. And this is where, you know, you really get to see what a, a From Software game is like. So I, <laughs> I leveled myself up so much and the anxiety i felt when i finally met margit it's all i saw it in the distance went that's the area where he appears so I, I i went away from it and i leveled myself up and in the end i died twice but then the third go i got him and the feeling of, of like you know because i was so wound up the feeling of victory and exuberance was greater than any game I've played in quite some time. Yes! I am invincible! Now that's not to mean I've, I haven't thoroughly enjoyed other games, I have, but there was just something about it. And then I moved on to Godric and I managed to get him as well. And I got Godric first time. And then I moved on to a woman called Renala and Renala, I'm not quite sure which, how, which way to pronounce it. The last queen of Caria, Renala of the full moon. Still haven't beaten her at this point because she's very good against magic. And also the problem is she's in two phases. Phase one, she's just surrounded by all these minions, basically. And you only can kill, you have to kill one type of minion and then you can attack her. That's basically what's going on. But the problem is to lock on, because there's so many minions, to lock on to the right minion is really hard. And you've got to get in close, which is obviously not what a mage should be doing, a wizard. So yeah, haven't sought her out. But then by comparison, Radan, the Star Scourge, he is a really tough, relatively early, well, mid-game, I don't know what people would say, but everyone talks about Radan. It's like, yeah, you know, you've got to know what you're doing with Radan. So again, I was very anxious about that. And I again killed him on my third go. A celebration of war! The Radan Festival! And the first time it's sort of like I just didn't realize he had range attacks and I just got killed from a long way away. It's like, okay, fine, now I know that. Second time, kind of run out of magic and it's like, okay, but I know what I'm doing now. And the third time I used a really cheap trick where basically I poisoned him with this thing called Crimson Rot. And because he said he's got it already, it's like, I, I wonder if I could give him more. And the answer is, yes, I can. And so for half the battle, I was just miles away from him as he was sort of flailing around, slowly being poisoned. It was remarkably easy once you kind of knew it. And that's the thing about from software apparently initially you kind of got to learn the patterns you got to learn how this enemy is going to attack you and once you know it and it will wipe you out with what it's got but once you know what it is you can either get out of its way or use it against it or realize apparently the classic thing in dark souls is, is if you can get behind the thing it doesn't turn around so you just start hitting it again and again in the, in the rear leg basically and that's how you defeat a lot of things in dark souls now i'm this does not encourage me to go back to dark souls but I'm finding this so compelling and I'm loving the videos and I'm now currently going through this area and I'm watching a video. It's like, okay, I want to see what's happening a little bit further, but not too further. And it's like, oh, okay. It's like, oh, I can see there's another boss on the way. Do you know what? I actually like to know what that boss does. And then on this occasion, this boss, this mimic, which basically turns into you, beat it first time. And, you know, it's clearly a relatively hard person to go against or hard monster to go against. And yet I, I, you know, I did it first time. And there are a number of occasions where the, some of these side bosses, 
which are meant to cause you trouble, I'm getting first or second time. I am, however, painfully aware that I've still not got into the late game yet, and people talk about something called the Fire Giant. I think it seems fairly self-explanatory what that is, but everyone says, yeah, that just one, one shot kills you, and you are just gonna have to you know, learn some tricks or, you know, use some real cheese to try and beat the, the fire giant. So, okay, well, we'll see what happens with that then. Good luck to me on that. But I find it so compelling. And because it's hard, it feels really rewarding when you actually kind of get there. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I'm now going to attempt to sort of pull this into a little bit of history. First of all, I'm gonna talk briefly about the community. There are communities in all sorts of areas when people are trying to fix problems. One of the things that is really common is mathematical proofs. Things that prove that you can do the, the solution again and again every time. You have solved the problem. You can, you've come up with a way that you can always fix this mathematical incongruity, whatever it may be. And there are communities of multiple people that they sort of share. It's like there's Fermat's last theorem. This is a famous one. When Pierre de Fermat died, they found this equation scrawled in the margin of his notes. X to the nth plus Y to the nth equals Z to the nth, where n is greater than 2, which he said had no solution in whole numbers. But he also added this phrase, remarkable proof. Yeah, that's starting to come back to me. There was no proof included. It took 300 years for people to come up with a proof for that. And there's an entire book written about how the community kind of came together and actually it took sort of like two different groups to eventually come up with a way to solve the problem. And yet they know, because they're using very modern mathematics, this is not what Fermat had in mind 300 years ago. So there's probably another way to come to the proof. But in the meantime, this is the only way they could do it. And it stumped genius mathematicians for 300 years. So yeah, there are these communities who love coming together and doing, yeah, so mentioned in the convoy episode things like cb radio groups and obviously there are online communities who be it love dogs or share information about fishing or you know we go back you know thousands of years and there are these little communities it's like they love a particular god or they want to work in a particular way and so they do and, and i like that about human beings we're very social creatures now obviously it can go wrong it turns into an us and them situation and that leads to violence sorry about that but yeah i think it's great the way that people love gathering together indeed if you're listening to these episodes regularly there's a little community around this podcast i'm going to just throw it out there i'm at gem on twitter feel free to sort of send me message and i love it when people say you know i love that episode or have you considered doing one on this whatever this may be on one occasion i recommended dark i did a whole episode on dark and time travel and i remember there was somebody who said yeah i finally finished dark you're right gem really glad i watched it thank you so much i love all this stuff please if you like this spread the word Tell somebody else about it. When I'm on Twitter, sort of sending out tweets about the links to the latest episode or a great episode that I thoroughly enjoyed doing, please follow me on Twitter and spread the love. Get other people involved. It really helps to grow the numbers. Thank you very much. That to one side, the reason why it sort of it's like I wanted to talk about Elden Ring. It's like, what's the angle? What's the angle? And it's like, it's this feeling of accomplishment. And that sort of thing is where I'm going to say someone like, Sherpa Tensing, he on Mount Everest with Edmund Hillary. They are doing it the way I'm doing it, 
But then you've got other explorers who aren't doing it for the same way that I'm doing it. What do I mean by that? Let's take Christopher Columbus, for example, one of the worst explorers in history. And I don't mean that because of all the violence that was associated with Columbus coming to the Americas. First of all, he didn't discover the Americas because there were already people there. Secondly, he wasn't even the first Westerners to arrive in the Americas. That would have been the Vikings about 500 years earlier. And also, he wasn't looking for the Americas because he was trying to find a way to Asia. Truly, this is an historic day. Their gracious majesty's confidence in humble Columbus is vindicated. There is a Western route to the Indies. And therefore, I hereby name these islands the West Indies. Yeah, but I thought the whole point was that we were proving that the world is a globe. So if these truly are the Indies, which incidentally is something else I'd quite like to talk to you about at some point, but assuming they are the Indies, then they must be the East Indies. Why? The trade. So he wasn't going on a great adventure to find the highest mountain or the jungliest jungles or anything like that. He wanted to basically ingratiate himself to the Spanish court and head out to Asia the fast way, he thought, and basically make a fortune that way. Now, he made a fortune by plundering the locals in the Americas, but the point is his motivation wasn't what's out there. His motivation was money. Whereas the climbing of Everest, there is no advantage there. It doesn't make you money. They probably knew that it would be reported in newspapers, but that's not necessarily going to make you very, very famous and very, very wealthy. And indeed, neither of them did become multimillionaires because of this. They did become world famous, and it's because they just wanted to climb it. And if you've ever speak to a mountaineer, it's like, why bother? There are things like cars. The tallest mountain in Wales has a train that goes up the side of it. So you can do it the easy way or the hard way. I'm proud to say I've done it both ways up Snowdon, but you know, at the top there's a cafe and it's like, it doesn't really feel like you're on top of a mountain. And it's, you know, it's, it's fine. It's great. But generally when you ask mountain mountaineers, why did you do that? The nearby there's this place called Trafan. And that's a proper mountainy mountain, which is hard to get up. And at the top, there's these two stone pillars, natural pillars called Adam and Eve. And you're meant to try and leap from one to the other. And if you get it wrong, you can go horribly, horribly wrong. I didn't do that, but my friend Simon, shout out to Simon, when we were all sort of like mountaineers together back in our school days, he did jump from Adam to Eve and well done. I still have respect for him for that like 30 years later. So yeah, why do it? Because it's there. And there is this feeling of accomplishment when you've got there and done that thing. I wanted to mention Roel Admundsen, and he was a Norwegian. He was the first at the South Pole. Now we all know Scott of Antarctic, but actually Admundsen, he got there first before Scott and also made it back successfully. This is a rare occasion where the person who came in number two is actually more famous than the person who came in number one. Then, of course, you've got Shackleton down in the south, heading towards the South Pole as well. And obviously that went horribly wrong with the endurance that was found. The, the sort of like crushed hull of the endurance was found in the very South Atlantic, sort of like Arctic seas, Antarctic seas, I should say, in 2022. And as the cold and the sort lack of oxygen at the bottom of the of the sea it's still very well preserved uh, more than a century later remarkable but Shackleton again he wasn't going because you know glory he was doing it just because and so there are lots of explorers who are perhaps doing it for reasons of, of knowledge you've got things like Hiram Bingham finding Machu Picchu for example in the 1920s in Peru and he was trying to find some ancient Incan sites but the point is there is that group of people who do it 
just cause. You know, why am I climbing this sheer cliff face with no safety wires or anything like that? Because I get to say I've done it. And it's not, you, you ask them all, so I don't have a death wish. I have a life wish. And speaking of somebody who's done a parachute jump, by the way, on my own. Sorry, if you take a tandem, it's not the same. This is about you on your own. That's really, you know, if you've done a parachute jump, if you climbed a mountain or something like that, the exhilaration of it is is palpable. You also get, you know, I've, I've mentioned a number of people there, but Ibn Battuta is somebody who doesn't get a lot of love in the West. He was a medieval Muslim traveler. He is estimated to have traveled about 70,000 miles in his life. He went out to places like Java. He was also in North Africa and eventually retired in Spain, went across the Middle East. You know, this is a guy who really, really traveled, but he wasn't again just doing it to climb the mountains. He was doing it to just see humanity everywhere. He was way before the idea of anthropology. He was kind of being a bit of an anthropologist and also sort of a bit of a historian as well, understanding societies too. So, you know, he, his travels were remarkable, but he wasn't doing it just to sort of climb the highest mountain. But saying that, though, all these people, you know, Columbus included, they all seem to have a bit of a bug about this travel. Once they've done the thing that could, in theory, make them famous, virtually all of them went off again to do it again because, you know, they wanted to try it out. They wanted to see how far they could go. Some of these people obviously died in the process, be it Scott or Captain Cook, for example. But then you've got Magellan, who sort of circumnavigates the world, and he was another one of these people, you know, like Admondson, like the guys who climbed Everest, etc. You know, they, they there's just this compelling nature of it all. So human beings are inquisitive and we're social and we like to be in communities. And I think that this is glorious. And absolutely an element of that is celebrated in this game that I can't stop playing, even though it does make me nervous and I kind of can't help myself. This is an adult version of when I was six years old and Doctor Who was on TV. And my mother always said that, you know, I would watch it sort of like looking out from behind the sofa. And when it all got a bit too scary, I'd kind of like hide away behind the back of the sofa. Then I'd pick up the courage to sort of peek out again and look again. And, and that sort of like feeling of sort of like anxiety and scariness, that is why people watch horror movies. They don't want to watch it because they want to see the bad guy win. They watch it because they get this thrill of adrenaline, this rush, if you like, of doing it. And it's exactly the same doing a parachute jump, playing Elden Ring, or climbing a mountain. Those three things I have done, but I am also aware that it could be that as I go into the late game of this, I just might not have the skills to get to the very, very end. Now, again, there are ways to summon in people. Maybe I'll be able to do that, or maybe not. Maybe I just won't be able to get it. Like I say, I've already come across one boss that I'm having real difficulties with, but what people say about them is if you do bang your head 30 times against the same boss and then do it, then the feeling of elation is even greater, although I might give up before 30 times. That sounds like an awful lot of hard work. So on that note, I'm going to leave you. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, another episode coming soon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.